Hey, Coconuts, recently there's a lot of discussion about US and China. I mean, okay, not exactly recently, but it's just like, ah, oh, nowadays there's more and more and more and more, right? So US, China, US, China, what's going to happen? And I don't think you really need me to talk that much about the US because the US is the order today. So whatever that's going to happen in a world where the US leads, it has already happened, right? So you kind of know that. But what about China? Where is the world going to be like if China takes the baton as the number one and leads the one, dominate the world? Okay, like it or not, China is already very dominant in the global order but will it become the number one will it take over the world and uh, if that happens what's going to happen right so how are you going to practice this thing how are you going to do this how are you going to live in a world where China leads and I think there's a lot of questions here I'm going to try to attempt to answer some of these questions over the next few episodes so today we're going to start with the simple one if China becomes number one how should I prepare for it welcome back I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So good morning everyone and welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, debunking financial myths, discovering financial practices and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it, ultimately empowering us greater life we love while managing our finances well. So my name is Reggie, your Chief Financial Coconut and today we're going to spend some time to talk about the rise of China. Following the rise of China, what can you do to prepare for this future? Whether or not they're number one, they're going to be hanging around for a very, 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 very long time. Right? So they're going to be a significant part of the business world. They're going to be a significant part of your life going to the future. So how is that going to affect you? How to better prepare for it? Welcome back. So I think the truth is you don't need to love China. <laughs> Neither do you love the US or love Japan, love Korea. Do you really love them? Or do you just love a part of them that's being marketed to you? When you don't work there, you don't live there, you just go there for two weeks, you're, you're not kind of entering a fairy tale, right? You're entering a fairy tale that's been shaped because of media, because of content, because of culture, because of food, because of all the tourism campaign and all the things that are being thrown at you. But you don't live there, you don't need to love there, right? So like it or not, okay, why do I put it that way? Because... Some people are like, oh my god, I don't love China, right? I don't like the political culture, they got human rights issue, they got blah, 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 all those things, right? So I'm not coming from moral ground to tell you that, oh my god, you must accept that it's like that, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm not coming from that ground. I'm just trying to let you know that, hey, you don't live there, you know, your, your, your passport is not there, you don't have uh, some sort of native connectivity there, and why, why, why are you so emotional about it, right? Why do you need to come from a moral high ground to look at this situation, the reality is you may never live there, you may never need to live there, you may never need to work there at all. But as China becomes a global power, as China, you know, continue to rise, okay, the reality is they are already a global power. So I, I, I was like, mm, should I say that? They are already global, okay? So the <laughs> like it or not, as China continue to become bigger and bigger and more and more of its companies leave their country and hire globally and export their culture globally, export their business globally, what should you do to better prepare for it? I think that's the reality. 
But why I begin the podcast talking about that whole thing? Because I am sensing a lot of people coming from a moral high ground to judge what is China doing and also coming from a very tainted view of what do you think it's good? What do you think it's it's uh, the way to go to look at this situation? But like it or not, they're going to be dominant, right? So you, you don't like the US uh, randomly sending drones, attacking other countries, they are dominant. So you got to work with them, like it or not, right? So... Um, let, let's put the moral stuff aside, right? The whole human rights and, and all of that uh, aside. It can be a very, very lengthy discussion, uh, but we are not the political coconuts, right? So f- focus on finance. Huh? So focus on personal finance. What should you do then right, with China's rise? The premise is, as China continues to expand, you very likely will work with a Chinese company or work in a Chinese company, work with Chinese people uh, that are not like Singaporeans, uh, like Chinese natives, uh, many generations that were born there and lived there and now they're leaving, right? So there there are three waves of Chinese uh, expats moving out, okay? Okay, expats, a bit bit funny uh, because when the Chinese leave uh, for for the past about 100 years, uh, 100, 200 years when the Chinese left the country, they were not expats, uh, they were struggling, that's why they leave, okay? So, so all the all the Chinese people in Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia, they were struggling. They're all struggling. That's why that's why they left. Okay, some people were traders, yes, but most of the people that came here, they 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 were struggling from famine, culture, revolution, whatever. They came out, right? So that was one of the biggest wave of migration into this part of the world, right? Into into the ASEAN region. Of course, there's all the migration around the world. We're not talking about it. The next wave of migration into the ASEAN region is really from uh, places like Shanghai, places like Beijing, Tianjin, Guangzhou, where China made some money already, right? So, so the company was growing. They made some money. So they had a whole different level of people leaving the country and exporting them all over the world, right? So these people came here as scholars. These people came here as businessmen. These people came here with resources. It's a different, different discussion altogether. And now the third wave of of exporting of people will very much be your middle class, your technicians, the people that are doing the technical work, right? So your engineers, your coders, your you know, managers, and all these people are very highly, very highly likely you will be working with them. So yeah, you will experience a third wave of Chinese people living their country and start to live in this part of the world and many other parts of the world as their business expand. Just like when Japanese leave the country, they open a, you know HQ here, they open some side office somewhere else, they will bring Japanese people out there, right? So as Chinese companies expand, they will also bring their Chinese people all around the world. Third wave of uh, global migration of the Chinese people, okay? Or at least into the ASEAN region, right? So that is the reality. There's also another thing that I think it's very likely to happen, uh, that is the financial markets of China will open up, right? So uh, it is very, very profitable for them to participate in the financial market, but it's even more profitable for them to run the financial markets, right? So because if you run the financial markets, you dictate interest rates, you dictate all the taxes, you dictate a lot of things, right? And uh, we can talk about this as we go along, but I think that is an eventuality that even the, a lot of Chinese scholars are talking about it, right? They want to do it a little bit differently, but they want to do it, right? So that is some of the important backdrops that will be at play over the next uh, few decades. So with that in mind, what should you do? And the very, very simple first one that you should do is to understand the Chinese work and business culture. Okay, I think this is very, very important and it's uh, been said again and again and again uh, by many, many people. And I know it sounds very lame by now, but I'm going to share with you my perspective. 
I've decided to put this as point number one because I am hearing so many people say so many things about how you perform in your job, how to become spotter, how to be a talent, how to get promotion, and all those things, right? And I think all rubbish. <laughs> why, why do I think a lot of them are rubbish? Because a lot of them are anchoring on the backdrop of MNCs, of European companies, of US companies, and that is something that we totally forget already. Like we don't we don't re- realize that promotion underlying a, a lot of these ideas of promotion and thriving in a particular system is your assimilation with the system. That means how close you are to the ideal individual within this system, or how close you are within this cultural ecosystem, that will allow you to rise further. Okay, I think that's something that a lot of people have forgotten, right? Everybody talk about, oh, you must be able to solve problems, uh, you must take initiative, uh, you must be a people person, uh, blah, 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 right? <laughs> so a lot of these things are, are being peddled out there in the, in the world, but people don't realize that what is the backdrop? The backdrop is in a US company, there is a certain way of managing people. There's a certain, by right, there's a certain ideal. In a Singapore company, there's a certain ideal, there's a certain by right because the management is different. The culture they say is different. The things they're looking for is different. So when you work with the Chinese, right, it's also very different, right? Which is why this is extremely important. You must understand how the Chinese people work. You must understand their business culture and their work culture. And I would say that it's uh, generally diverse. Uh, The old 996 culture, will shift up eventually because as the people become more profitable, they become wealthier and, and all that, right? Then they will want to have more, right? It's, it's, I, I really think the whole movement towards um, work fulfillment, towards a better quality work, towards a better work environment is, is on the basis of a lot of people having made their money already. If a big bunch of your team has 300,000, right? Imagine, okay, you work in a bank uh, or you work in a financial company or you work in uh, whichever, you work in a port or you, you work in some of the bigger companies that are doing well and you work for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, right? Okay, or you, or you move around the sector, you work, you work for 10 years. Right? Anybody that worked for 10 years within this thriving sector has half a million dollars or $300,000 at least, right? In their, in their total asset or, or in their bank. So when everybody around you in tech or in all these thriving space, they have this kind of money, of course you cannot just give them money lah. Right? You, you gotta talk to them about, oh, you know, a quality of life, la, work-life balance, la, heart fulfillment, la. All, all those things start to come in because it's the higher order, higher order of needs that are, they are trying to fulfill. So I do believe that because of this growth of China, Chinese companies and Chinese people, the 996 culture will eventually fade off because people want more than just work, more than just career progression, right? So 996 is a culture in the past, I would say. For all of you that don't know what is 996, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., you work six days a week. That's a <laughs> that is the culture. That, that is one of the underlying culture that, that, that is there, right? So, but, you know, it, it will change. And as we go along on this podcast, I will try my very best to bring on more people that are within this space to try to share with us more about how the Chinese people work, how is it different and all that, right? So, so let's keep going on, on that. Okay, but I would say that the first wave of Chinese companies that are coming out of China are from the South, right? So from Shanghai, from Zhejiang, from Guangzhou, Shenzhen, they're from the South. And a lot of these companies are tech companies, right? So they're tech companies or they're pseudo tech companies, hardware, software, whatever. So a lot of these tech companies, when they come out, Hangzhou, okay, tech hub. So they come out, 
they will bring their southern culture. Okay, so the southern culture is a lot more nuanced in the sense of uh, everybody is like, oh yeah, okay, very nice, da 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 da. Actually, behind there's a lot of deeper. I don't know if I should say it. A lot of deeper kind of relationship management that goes on behind, right? So how do you manage the nuance of relationship? How do you, you know, uh, have uh, be part of the culture of uh, Confucianism where you respect your elders, but at the same time be innovative? All that matters. Okay, although there's some dilution of those things because of the kind of global culture of the tech world, uh, there there is a lot of that whole southern work culture of Confucianism, of respect for elders, which is actually not very hard for Singaporeans uh, because we already, we are governed by southerners. Okay, so so if you, if you look at the, the whole country is run by a bunch of Chinese people, right? And and most of them were from the south. So whether it's Hainan, Hakka, Cantonese, Teochew, Hokkien people, they're all from the south and, and they, they work pretty similar. If, if you have a chance to go to China, you will not feel like you are in China. If you are in Guangzhou, if you are in Fujian, you are in Xiamen, you will not feel like you just feel like it's a it's a it's a more Chinese Singapore, right? Because the people there speak similar accent, uh, similar ideas. The the way they they act is pretty similar, right? So you just look at your grandparents, right? How they act uh, is pretty much how a lot of the Chinese grandmothers they they do the same thing, right? <laughs> so so it's pretty the same, and uh, so I would say that the assimilation with the southern companies are okay. They're not they're not as difficult. But if you happen to work with the northeasterns, right, the the Tongpei people, uh, which you were very likely in the next wave of expansion for China, they will start to export hardware technology. They will start to export, you know, uh, manufacturing technology, which is a lot of them are all based in Tongpei, right? Why? Because Tongpei is so cold that the uh, that's where they had to manufacture a lot of things with robots, right? Because people cannot work in the winter. People rest three months in Tongpei, right? <laughs> in the northeastern part of China. They rest three months during the, the winter because it was so cold. So in such a backdrop, right? It, it's very good, right? set up machines, right? So a lot of the biggest manufacturing, those kind of robo arms and all that, a lot of them are all based in that part of China and they will start to come out of China and start to bring that technology all around. So as they come out, they have a very different culture, right? They have the everything talk in front, right? And I, I'm happy just say, you know, it's a very different, uh, more housewang, more more open kind, kind of culture, right? So they, they're not as like the southerners, which is like, oh, very cordial, very courteous, you know, and then behind we talk, we talk our things behind, right? So the, the people from the north are a lot more open and, and that's a very simplified way of um, sharing with you and I'm not saying that it's accurate, I'm just saying that you must understand the nuance of the backdrop, you must understand the work culture and the business culture that you're in in order to rise up the ranks, right? It is not just about uh, being proactive, you know, uh, being a people manager, you know, uh, you know, all those things that people say, right? They all have forgotten what is the basis? The basis is which kind of company are you working for? What is the backdrop here? What is the kind of culture here? What is the ideal individual here? Only when you meet these things within this backdrop can you rise up, right? So this is important. Huh? China is expanding. You must understand the Chinese work and business culture. So it brings me to point number two, and that is what you should do is shift your American ADR to Hong Kong and China ASS. I will share more with you after a word from our sponsor. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, there's some people out there talking about, you know, uh, American ADR and Hong Kong ADR is the same. They're all ADRs, American Depository Record Receipts. You know, so... Uh, in other words, they are quote unquote all illegal listing. You know, it is a China's uh, pseudo financial system at play, and blah blah blah, right? So, so the I mean, I hear these kind of things out there, and I want to tell you that it's different. Uh. Okay, all the American stuff and the Hong Kong stuff is fundamentally different because Hong Kong is part of China, America is America, right? So, so I think that is that is important. To to say that the effect is the same or the outcome is the same is fundamentally weird. Because Hong Kong has always been a port and a financial hub over time, right? And when China took it back, they kept that thing. They kept Hong Kong as a port. They kept Hong Kong as a financial hub, especially for external people. That means people that are not part of China, right? So your US, your UK, your European, your Japanese, you know, even your Singaporeans. A lot of these uh, big financial companies and big companies, they use Hong Kong as a gateway into China, so in other words, right? How can you say the gateway of China is the same as America? Different, right? So just just to, just to put it out there. So if you can, I would say you should shift your American, you know, ADRs to Hong Kong if they are similar. Like let's say you buy JD, or you buy Alibaba, or you buy some of these other companies that that you are invested in 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 America. Maybe you can explore Hong Kong, or you can just directly buy ACS, right? There's a there's a lot more accessibility with some of the bigger brokerages out there today. You can do it, and I think you should do it. Why? Other than China's rise of uh, its own business where you know that more technology advanced they'll start to export those things the next thing china will do right is really to expand their financial ecosystem why if you think about it i think about it if everybody trades in us dollar okay which is the current situation now right everybody everybody trades in the us dollar and you are innovator you created a whole new technology let's say 5g technology okay or 6g lah, okay I, I give you 10g okay 10g technology i'm um, very amazing i don't know what is it for but anyway i give you 10g technology but you trade in the us dollar what does it mean when you trade in the us dollar whatever technology innovation that you've created right is reinforcing the power of the us dollar system because only us dollar can buy this technology ma. So all that you are creating, all that you are innovating, right, is to reinforce the US dollar's dominance. Okay, so if you see it from this way, why is China not incentivized to create its own financial ecosystem where everybody trades in yuan or the digital yuan going forward? Right, so China is extremely incentivized to trade in yuan. Right, all the technology innovation that they are going to create, all the things that are coming out, come on, man, they can send space shuttle these days. The International Space Station, you don't want to play with me? Okay, never mind, I do myself. <laughs> so, so they can create their own space technology, they have their missile system, they have created their own aircraft carrier, they have built a lot of these military stuff and also a lot of commercial stuff and they are building a lot of new softwares. So all these things that they are creating, it is stupid for them to put under the US dollar system because now they are the number one innovator. Let's say eventually they'll become the number one innovator. How can I, how can I do that? 
<laughs> why, why, why I so stupid, right? I, I, I reinforce the strength of US dollar for what? My enemy, you know? Right? And, and of course, China will say that, oh, no, we are not enemies, we're friends, blah, blah, blah. Pay a okay? Don't lie to yourselves. Uh. Let, let's be real. We must be critical on both sides, right? <laughs> so China wants to dominate, wants to grow, wants to progress. Whether or not what is the, what is the eventuality of China's dominance is a different story, but they want to. So whatever they say that, oh, no, we are multilateral, we are open, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's all a political thing, right? They cannot go around saying, oh, we want to dominate. We want to be world power, right? And everybody will coalesce and attack them, right? So, so they will not say that. So whatever future doesn't matter. But the reality is China is increasingly incentivized to create its own financial system because they are going to be the number one innovator and it's, it's stupid to, to support other people's financial system that way, right? So they are going to create this digital UN ecosystem, they're going to create an RMB ecosystem uh, and they're going to start with trading with Pakistan, uh, Iran, uh, Venezuela, all the people that the US don't want and put, put as evil. They already started and it's going to keep expanding. Right? So as Iran open up and you know work with, work with them, then Iraq will come in, Afghanistan will come in. A lot of these quote-unquote countries uh, that, that were kind of attacked then the US didn't like, right? They, they, they make friends with China first law or Africa, right? They make friends with China, right? Oh my God, Africa-China alliance is so much stronger than uh, whatever the Europeans are trying to do today, right? So if you think about it, China will increasingly want to consolidate this financial system and put everything under RMB. So with that, right, uh, you really don't want to be part of this friction, Right? You don't want to be part of this friction of a possibility of retraction or the US sanctioning certain companies and, and, and all of what. Why, 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 what is the incentive for you? So as China opens up its financial economy to let you have a direct access uh, where you can directly buy Hong Kong shares, directly buy uh, China A shares, H shares, A shares, then why you want to own the ADR and have the additional risk of you don't know what's going to happen between US and China and what, what is this UN ecosystem is going to, going to be like. So you can continue to buy the US shares in US dollar, but I would think that all the Chinese companies that you're trying to own, you should uh, buy directly from Hong Kong and China A shares. And this is a change in sentiment from previously. Right? Previously, I thought, okay, la, never mind. La. But uh, the more I, I look at it, the more I see how things are changing. Yeah, I, I think you, know, you, should, you should do this shift if you can. Okay, which brings me to point number three of what you should do following the rise of China, and that is to explore the Chinese culture. Different, huh? The work and business culture is one thing, so that's a work business environment, but the Chinese culture I'm talking about, tea, wine, art, calligraphy, music, poem, those kind of stuff, right, are what China will export next. Okay, this is what I believe. Eh? So uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, talks out there about the BRI, you know, Belt and Road Initiative, and oh, they hire, they get all these people to come in and they talk, talk, talk. But uh, at the end, when they talk, right, you, you really don't know what, what they are trying to say, right? <laughs> Everything is like, oh, China very good, China very good, China very good. Uh, or like, China's going to do this, China's going to but, but But you ask them, uh, so, so what is China going to do next? A lot of people are, are unsure. And what, what can you do next? People also, they cannot give you solid advice. So I would say all the technical work, right? Uh, like it or not, you cannot be part of it, right? You cannot suddenly become, oh, engineer, or you suddenly become scientist, suddenly become coder. You got to go and learn it, right? So all the technical work, I'm going to push aside, right? If you want to follow the rise of China and you want to be part of the technical ecosystem, you can try. But I say that the Chinese are pumping out engineers like free. Okay, so all, even most of the US colleges, the, the people that are graduating from engineering, from math, from science, all the hard kind of stuff, right? Are all Chinese people. 
right? So honestly, they don't really need you. Okay, the Indians and the Chinese already fill the world with engineers. But if you want to be part of it and you think you can be the number one within it, right? Go ahead, do it. Huh? But all the technical stuff aside, there are a lot of other business stuff, right? So business stuff, financial stuff, relationships, and uh you know, more more service and so, some of these other things that, that Singapore is already doing a lot. A lot of you listening, you're, you're hired by these sectors, right? The, the financial service sector or the high-end service sector, uh, whatever you, service sector is, is huge in Singapore, right? So all these will continue to be the core of Singaporeans and will continue to be the core of Singapore, okay? Uh, it's very hard for Singapore to compete on, on what whatever other fronts that, that China is trying to do. But of course, I hope that they we do, lah, but uh, to diversify our economy, but you know, as of now, the reality is as such, right? So with this, I think that uh, your exploration of Chinese culture will aid you, you know, in trying to build better relationship with the Chinese people and uh, build a better understanding of how they see certain things, right? Because it's like high, high class, ma, very, very atas, right? So like the... Huh? <laughs> <laughs> like the people in the West, they have the, the whiskey culture, the cigar culture, you know, or the golfing culture, the tennis culture, uh, which some are being translated into China. But China is going to start exporting its culture, right? So, and, and that is the part that I think you can start immersing in it. Try try a little bit, right? Uh, instead of going and learn how to draw acrylic paint and pot uh, pottery, okay, like pottery is quite China, okay? Uh, China came out with the early technology of it, okay, by the way. So um, instead of learning just acrylic painting, you know, on your weekends, maybe you can go and learn Chinese calligraphy or learn, learn san, san sui hua, right? Learn how to paint the, the Chinese way. Or instead of going to listen to symphony, maybe you can go and listen to the Chinese orchestra, get get some vibes. Instead of going to the, the uh, Starbucks or some like, uh, you know, Melbourne exported cafes, you know? <laughs> You can go and try the Chinese uh, tea culture, right? Which I, I'm a big fan. By the way, I want to clarify. Uh, I used to run a Chinese uh, tea shop, right? And I, I've been to Yunnan. I stayed there for a while. And I explored a lot of the tea culture there, okay? I also learned this Chinese instrument called Ruan, okay? And I'm a great nine, okay? I, I, I got great nine, guys. I almost did diploma, if not for COVID, okay? So... <laughs> So yes, I am very, very China, okay, like it or not. And I, I worked there before. I have I understand their wine culture, their Chinese wine culture, how they do certain things. Uh, while I cannot give you vividly exactly how it is, but I, I will say that as a as someone that is biased in this, that is very immersed in the Chinese culture, I think it's very beautiful and you should try it. Right? Especially in going to the future where the Chinese become more and more dominant. You understanding their culture, you understanding their way of life, or whatever that they are trying to rekindle. Because honestly, yeah, during the Cultural Revolution, a lot of these things died, right? So a lot of the new, quote-unquote, Chinese culture that are rising uh, is Hong Kong and Taiwanese people going back to China and, and bringing it up again. Okay, but now it's different already. So internally, they are growing once again. Huh? So I think that's the part that will set you apart in the, in the global order going forward. Of course, if you can speak Mandarin, right? That's a given, uh, even better, right? But... Uh, that, that all that aside, so technical aside, language aside, I think you should at least learn the Chinese culture or at least immerse yourself in some of these cultural assets that they will start exporting. I guarantee you, I can guarantee you in the next decade, every single ASEAN country will have a Chinese orchestra. Bangkok Chinese orchestra, Vietnam Chinese orchestra, you know, Malaysia Chinese orchestra, every single one will have. I can guarantee you, right? Because... That is how culture is being exported. The Chinese government will fund you and then, you know, you do fundraising, the Chinese business ecosystem will grow. So a lot of these things will start to come up. And if you can attach yourself in these kind of cultural centers and be part of the cultural, um, I won't say elite, but at least the know-hows, right? 
you set yourself apart from a lot of other people that are still you know iffy about China. And hey, like it or not, even if China does not become number one, right, it will be number two, number three. It will still be around, right? So why not, right? So. To sum up today, as to how do you better prepare for the rise of China, I think number one is you got to understand the work and business culture of Chinese people, right? Or at least the China companies now. And I would say the Chinese culture is very, very nuanced and very different. It is not like one block like, oh, China! No, 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 no. There's a lot of uh, nuances. They went through a lot of wars. There are a lot of uh, local power. So they have a lot of different smaller local cultures. And this is important because I think too many people out there giving you advice about how to become an important player, how to get promoted in, in companies, right? they're all coming from the US-centric view of you know, what is considered a good employee, what is a work culture, and how do you thrive. right? So I think understanding the different Chinese companies, how they work, their internal culture, and shaping yourself to be part of that ideal individual to get promoted, that is important. If that is your gameplay, that is what you want to do. Okay. Number two is shifting your American ADR to Hong Kong or China A-shares. Like I said, China is increasingly incentivized to decouple their financial economy to form their own digital yuan, their own yuan circulation. So you don't want to be part of this friction. Like you don't really have a lot of high incentive to, to hold American ADR. So whatever Hong Kong access that you can get or China access that you can get, you should shift. Okay, so your JD, La Baba, La Tencent, all, all the companies that, that you are buying <laughs> in China, you sh- uh, in, in America for from China, you should try to uh, buy back in China. And number three is explore the Chinese culture, right? So tea, wine, art, calligraphy, music, poem. I think these are important and it will set you apart to the next level. And I'm pushing aside all the technicalities, you know, Mandarin language or the, the skill, like skill kind of stuff. Assuming that you're not going to pivot into all these other things that China wants you to, you want to stay in your field, at least understand this culture yeah, because they're going to export it and it's going to set you apart from everyone else. So I hope you learned something useful today. See ya. Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group Follow us on our social, sign up for our weekly newsletter. We are doing a weekly newsletter reboot. We are going to have a lot of information within the newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have any interesting thoughts you want to share or you know someone that we would like to hear from, reach out to us through hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Okay, so I think um, this is a very basic opening of what you can do you know, as China starts to export itself. Because China already risen. Now. We cannot say China, China started to rise. China already risen. But it, it's, it's, it's rise is still very um, localized or at least regionalized, right? So you, you only recently start to see 
uh, big Chinese companies opening up big offices abroad. In the past, they have offices abroad, but it's, it's not huge, right? The Bank of China has been around for a long time in Singapore. ICBC has been around for a long time in Singapore, you know, but it's always in a small operation supporting very small merchants and small local community, right? But now you see they're opening up big offices, Tencent, Alibaba, JD, you know, ByteDance. You will see more and more of these tech companies hiring regionally. And you will also see more and more of the big financial companies hiring regionally. And with that, you, you really want to you know, be better prepared uh, for some of these uh, future, right? And I think I think these three are a good place to to start. Of course, as, as things become more nuanced, uh, I will keep updating you guys on what I observed out there with China's rise. And next week, I'm going to share with you why I think China will win. I think this is important because I keep saying China, 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 but why? Why? Why I think China will win? And the thing is, uh, predicting a win is quite a suicide uh, to Korea. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm essentially uh, trying to forecast what is going to happen into the future, right? And I will, I will say that it's not a guarantee, but there's a very good chance that China will, will, will win, at least in the region, okay? If you think about it, even if China does not dominate and it splits up into a three-part, you know, a global order where the US dominates Canada and, and Mexico and, you know, the whole America, and the Europeans start to become closer as a, as a community, rather than working with the US, they might tilt to Asia more because yeah, they're not incentivized to work with the US as much going forward if they want to continue to grow. Um, and then China can be a localized power with Japan and the whole of the ASEAN bloc. Right? So like it or not, China's going to dominate somehow or another. Lah, huh? and, but I'm going to share with you why I think China will dominate globally.